0: Today we are going to continue on in the third chapter of Mark from where we were last time. If you remember the last time that we met, Jesus had went into the synagogue. There was a man with a withered hand. There it was on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees were watching him, wondering, is he going to break their ceremonial laws and heal this man's hand, or is he going to do what's right and heal the man's hand? And Jesus then ended up asking, him, asking the Pharisees, Is it lawful to do a good deed on the Sabbath day or to do evil, to save the life or to kill? And then they didn't answer him. So Jesus ended up healing the man with the withered hand. That took us through verse 5. And then in verse 6, it's recorded the Pharisees departed and straightway gathered a council with the Herodians against him that they might destroy him. So they had went to the Herodians and tried to then persuade them to come aboard with the idea to kill Jesus. Our verses today are going to be verses 20 and 21. Now we're only on 6 so there's going to be a little bit Of backtracking, we're going to do before we get to our verses today our verses today read and the multitude assembled again so that they could not so much as eat bread and when his kinfolk heard of it they went out to lay hold on him for they said that he was beside himself so if you will pray with me now let the words of my mouth and the meditations deep within all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight O Lord our rock and our Redeemer so as I was saying the, the Pharisees they go off to the Herodians to try to come up with a plan to kill Jesus and we're early on in the Gospel of Mark so the cross that they eventually put Jesus on was not something that happened right away it was something that had been planned for a long time, since almost since the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he offended the Pharisees, it was time to have him killed and get him out of their way. We have to, uh, in our minds, we need to transport ourselves back. We're going to start out in verse 7. We have to transport ourselves back to the scene. Prior to these verses that I just read, 20 and 21, we need to transport ourselves back to that scene. We need to put ourselves close to the situation so we can realize what exactly is going on and how it relates to today's verses. The Pharisees went to the Herodians. Jesus returns to his homeland and he returns to the people that he grew up around and he was now home. He was home with his people as he arrives home Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples and a great multitude from Galilee followed but they also came from Judea and from Jerusalem and Idumea and beyond the Jordan and the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon There was a great number of people that heard all that he was doing and they came to him So there was this great multitude that came from all over. Jesus just got home, he was around his people. This great multitude is now flocking right to him. There were so many people that came so fast that Jesus would tell his disciples, I need a boat that I can get off into the sea a little bit to get away from this crowd because they're pushing him backward. They were pressing in for healing, they were pressing in for deliverance, but Jesus also had a message to deliver, yet this crowd was uninterested in his message. They wanted the physical when the man who could give the spiritual stood before them. A message to heal the soul was on the lips of the Savior, but the people wanted to be healed from their ailments and they wanted to be healed from their demons. we need to see now Jesus trying to teach this great multitude keeps surging in toward him they're surging forward surging this great multitude they're seeking just to touch Jesus and be healed the sick are clamoring forward the demon-possessed are falling before him crying out you are the son of God The demons were bearing witness to God's only son in front of a crowd that was uninterested in his status, but only interested in what he could do for them. If we were to have a modern day example of this scene, it would be a concert mosh pit. In these mosh pits, there's a sea of humanity that presses forward toward the stage. The attitude and the energy at a fever pitch. The bodies are colliding against one another. They're straining. They're heaving. There's pushing. They're shoving. Sometimes violence is breaking out. Sometimes there's physical altercations. At other times there's literally people being pressed against and crushed against the barricades that separate this massive crowd from the stage. And this situation would be similar. The people that pressed toward Jesus, they weren't there for Jesus' autograph. They were there to be made whole again. They were there to be healed. Their lives were lives of pain and agony, sickness and demonic possession. And they were in pain. Each step could have been possibly excruciating. Maybe they knew if they weren't healed soon that they would die. we know that the human body is one that fights for life. Inside their bodies, they would be panicking. They knew that they must get to this man. They must touch Jesus and be healed. Or else they die. They push. They shove. They don't care for their fellow man's Or for the words coming from the mouth of the Savior they must touch Jesus anxiety and determination is at an extreme life is at stake if they're ever to be normal again if they're ever to be whole again they must touch Jesus more pushing more shoving more surging forward they must get to him can you picture this in your mind are you seeing this they must get to Jesus Jesus is being driven back towards the water he calls to his disciples to get a boat as he is pushed to the water's edge he's almost knocked into the water maybe at some point he is driven into the water by this crowd Jesus in his hometown surrounded by his people is now cornered at the water's edge like an animal as a multitude continues to surge forward toward him at this point he has healed many yet many more are coming the boat arrives as the surge continues jesus gets in the boat as a multitude advances forward they begin to back out into the sea the people are following they cannot give up now they cannot give up now they must touch Jesus Jesus continues until he's far enough away from the people to deliver the message far enough out to a place that he won't be capsized in the boat or mobbed by the multitude perhaps he went so far out into the sea where the water was deep enough that he was now over their heads. Now this truly is not the scene depicted in the pictures and tales from yesteryear of a sober scene of calmness as the people come single file to Jesus for their needs to be met. Nor is it one of basic human decency, one person allowing another to cut in line, or one sick person helping another sick person to touch Jesus before they themselves can touch him the scene is one of desperation as a man known to have healing power is in town and no one knows for how long they may be their only chance right here this might be their only chance to be healed and it may be their only chance to be healed ever By envisioning what the scene was truly like, it's going to help us to understand the text better. Jesus was mobbed at the sea. After he was in the boat, he goes to the mountain and calls his twelve disciples. That's in the verses following, the ones that recount the multitude. The gang is all together now, Jesus and his twelve disciples. And they go home and the multitude gathers again which left no time for them to eat and no time for a meal yet in spite of the hunger that Jesus felt he continues on with the ministry and we don't have no idea what the time frame is here we don't know if it was a couple of hours that they didn't eat a couple of days a week we have no idea of what this time frame is To him, to Jesus, it didn't matter. The mission must go forward, and Jesus knew the mission was a long way from being complete. Jesus knew he must press on. Luckily, in the interest of Jesus' health, his friends and family would show up on the scene. They had come to, as the New American Standard says, take custody of him. As the Geneva Bible said, they would come to lay a hold of him mark had used this term elsewhere to mean the arrest of a person the family and friends of Jesus were going to come in and take Jesus into custody and haul him off because they thought he had lost his senses no one would ever go to the lengths Jesus was going unless they were insane They sought to bring Jesus into their custody and care for his own good. Basically, he had lost his mind, they thought, and he needed an intervention. Jesus wasn't looking out for his best interest, but rather he was allowing others to impose on him. And Jesus was not living his best life now. Jesus had become a servant to a horde of demanding masters, and who but them... Who but them, who but his family and friends would be able to save him from this insanity? This path that Jesus now walked was seen as irrational at best and insane at its worst. He was a religious fanatic that was burning the candle at both ends. It wasn't a matter of if, they thought, but when he would finally burn out if nothing was done. And they were deeply concerned. Yet in their concern, they lost the point of his ministry. They missed it completely. Even those closest to Jesus could not see his true identity and nature. They couldn't see he was the one sent by God to be the ultimate sacrifice and that the ministry he was doing at this point was paving the way for the final victory that would be won upon that cross at Calvary it was the events that unfolded here that undoubtedly led jesus to say later in mark a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household a person who is truly god's will find honor jesus said this but it will not be in his own hometown It will not be with his own relatives, and it will not be in his own house. Mark would go on to say, and he could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he wondered at their unbelief. This he speaks of Jesus. Jesus wondered at the unbelief of the people that he grew around. And in that vein, it all seems so obvious to us when we are saved. We felt the change of heart as we become born-again Christians. We see the amendment of life as past sins and practices are replaced by the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding us. Church, Church time replaces time at the pub or at the bar. Time away from home is replaced with time at home leading family Bible studies. Are we immediately perfect and sinless, as some claim, after this change? No. But slowly and surely, we transform away from the creatures we were and into the creatures God has ordained us to be. We see this in our own lives, but others may be unable to see, or they refuse to see, this change. Just like us, with our people, Jesus' people crowded around him for what he could do for them. They didn't crowd around him for the wisdom of the scriptures and the preaching of the word of God. To them, he was no different. They cry out, we know you from the past. You have no authority to preach to me on anything or about anything. You're no better than me. You can go to that fancy church wear your fancy suits, and walk around being morally conscious and financially generous. But I know it's all an act. Does any of this sound familiar to any of you? To know you have changed, but you have zero buy-in from anyone from your past. Instead of respecting you, they step back and wait until they see... Or hope to see a house of cards style life one that you have manufactured according to them come crashing down your family and friends are going to be the most difficult place to witness of Jesus and this is especially true if you've had a rough or a harsh upbringing a troubled childhood if you are the only christian in your family or maybe you had a heavily sin influenced life before meeting the savior so many people in this world will remember you from days past they'll remember the words that you've said they'll remember the actions that you've taken and they will never let you outlive anything you have said or done Around the people of the world They'll never see the Christ follower you've become the person of God you are now They will have trouble believing the things you say and do they know what you were and where you came from Instead of being a Christian saved by the blood of Christ You'll be little more than a hypocrite trying to be something you're not and never will be turning your back on everyone to live a lie Just as Jesus was, you'll always be. Nothing more than the carpenter's son from Nazareth and never a child of God. Your refusal to get intoxicated with them as you once did will be seen as you being judgmental toward their now sinful actions. Your zeal for the Lord may be understood as you being brainwashed or being led into a cult. How can you tell me When you know good and well, you were once one of us. You claim to be washed as white as snow, yet you fall so far from where you should be. By this book you witness from, you hypocrite. Repent and believe, they say. Repent and believe like you. No thanks. I'll be true to myself. And you can keep living your lie. Many people in life will face the same disrespect and lack of caring as Jesus did in his hometown. But do we really need to worry what others think about us as our as our walk with our Lord and Savior intensifies and grows? Certainly not. You don't have to be respected or honored or both by those of the world who place your walk, your faith under their microscope to nitpick out everything that they in their worldly belief system knows or or thinks they know about you in your face that may fly in the face of the lord you claim to serve to be useful to god one must be faithful to christ and walk in his ways we can see that the lack of respect and belief in jesus christ himself that he experienced is written about in Mark 6. Mark wrote, Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogues. And the many listeners were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what is this wisdom given to him? And such miracles as these performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, are not his sisters here with us? And listen, as the verse concludes, and they took offense at him. Jesus was teaching with great wisdom performing miracles around the people he knew he grew up around these people they knew his parents and siblings Jesus Christ has shown such God-given wisdom as to leave these people in astonishment yet despite the wisdom with which he spoke and the healings that accompanied him the people were offended they were offended at Jesus Christ Offended that he brought the truth of God to them with such power and authority. You teach with such wisdom. How dare you? Your hands are performing miracles. How dare you? The miracles that Jesus did do had little effect on these people. So Jesus chose not to do more because of the pride and unbelief. He could have done more. He could have done much more. But what happened with the things of the Spirit Jesus had already given them? Very little. These people didn't accept his message or believe that he believed that Jesus Christ was sent from God. So, as was instructed elsewhere, Jesus would dust off his sandals and move on. <coughs> and he would move elsewhere to a place where the message and the miracles would be accepted and God would then receive a greater glory we personally cannot control the way others react to Jesus and we cannot control the way that others react to the person we have become in Christ you can have strong evidence You can have the strongest evidence that would convict in any court of law in this world and people will still not believe in you. You can have a huge calling to preach the gospel and despite that, despite that fact that others from outside bear witness to this calling, that many from around the globe see you as a man or a person of God, the people in your hometown will never see you as anything more than the person you once were. (coughs) you'll always be the one who drank excessively. You'll always be the kid who grew up in the rough part of town whose personality and attitude bore witness to this fact. You'll always be the one who turned the whole town upon its ear one warm sunny day. And you'll never be anything more to those people. Anything you say or do will be seen with contempt and scorn. To this I say, move along just as Jesus did. Move along. You're casting your pearls before swine. Pray for these people. Pray that someone comes along that can lead them to Christ, then dust off your sandals and move to a place God can use you. I'm not saying uproot your home and move to a deserted island, but find a different sphere of influence. Maybe plug into a church in a neighboring town. Maybe join a Bible study that's being led out of someone's home that you've heard really good things about. The possibilities here are endless. Whatever you do though, please, please, please do not stay where you are and allow discouragement to enter in. Do not get discouraged with the people who refuse to believe that you were truly changed by God and allow sin to creep in. You need to keep your walk pure. Keep your walk on track. Seek Christ with all your heart and do not stop. Keep witnessing. Keep speaking of the Savior and keep up the fight. If you pray, the Lord will bring you to those that want to hear his word or to those that need to hear his word, the Lord will bring them to you if Jesus Christ had naysayers and critics if Jesus Christ had naysayers and critics in this world rest assured you will too They will be critical of everything you do everything you say and sadly it's probably gonna be your friends and family that will be at the forefront of this criticism and they saying, They will be the ones who will either not believe or look for the smallest chink in the armor to start the I told you so crusade. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters you must roll with the punches. You must maintain your walk and you must carry on. Let the people who are going to talk talk. If they're talking about you they're leaving others alone. They talked about Jesus behind his back, we've read that. They plotted to kill Jesus, we read that. They sought to discredit and destroy his image among the people, we've read that. Jesus' hometown people wanted to be healed and wanted their demons vanquished. They didn't want his teaching, and they didn't want his message, and they won't want yours either. And here's the reason why because all of you were once like them you talked like them you ate and drank like them you shared the same hobbies did the same work and you all acted like them if there is a god powerful enough to save you to completely turn you from the creature you were to a child of god you are now from a die-hard, rock-solid sinner to a praying, studying, reading, evangelizing child of the Most High, if this is all true, if this is all true, if you have truly have changed and they're unable to lure you back into the fold, well then, they have to look at their life. They have to look at their actions, they have to look at their behaviors and they have to come to the realization that there truly is a God that can change. And, if this God can change one person so much like themselves, then they too may have to look at their life. And brothers and sisters, this makes people really, really uncomfortable that if somebody so much like them can be changed into the image of Christ, and it makes them look at the unknown, the big question, Is there truly a God? Is there truly a God that can change? Is there truly a God that can save? They may say there isn't, and then life will go on as normal, and you are a a lunatic. You're a religious fanatic. If they can see a change in someone so close to themselves, then they must truly look inward to the fact that God exists. The fact that, by God's grace, you are completely different a completely different person makes them uneasy and uncomfortable the thoughts come in i have placed my entire life in the life i'm now living if god can change this person and i don't think there's a god or if i don't think that god can do this type of work what if i'm wrong we started out today looking at Jesus coming back to where he grew up, to his home. He was mobbed by people from all over seeking to be healed. But his own people were full of unbelief in him as a coming Messiah. And just as Jesus was, so we will be. Don't, don't worry. Be a follower of Jesus Christ. You can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make them drink. And you can witness to the glory and power of God in your life, and people won't listen for a variety of reasons. Let them have their reasons. Let them have their doubts. Let them have their suspicions. But whatever you do, don't let them be right. Lean on Christ to carry you through. Lean on Christ to give you the strength to persevere when they seek to watch your destruction. Lean on Christ to give you the power to forgive when you have been trodden down upon so hard that you don't know if you or your faith will survive the onslaught. Be ready to walk away to preserve your soul from those who seek to destroy it. Step away from the world and toward the cross of Christ. They can destroy your physical body. They can break bones. They can bring all sorts of slanderous allegations against you or try to turn your entire sphere of people around you against you. But they cannot destroy your soul, and they cannot destroy your relationship with Christ. Jesus said in Matthew, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake Will find it I beseech you today to continue on the path away from the life you once had let no one let no one stand in between you and your Lord and Savior not your friends not your family not this world be not afraid of death but be afraid of finding a life and sticking with a life that is not God honoring lose that life for your own sake and find yourself in the family of god wherein for the sake of christ you will find life and life eternal amen amen Amen.